welcome to The Eclectic Humanist, Episode 1. For this episode, I'm just going to lay out some of the things I'd like to achieve with this series, some of the subjects I might like to address, and what exactly I mean by Eclectic Humanist. I'll save more specific or focused discussions until Episode 2 and subsequently. So, to start with, I should probably say something about what humanism actually is. There are a number of definitions around. My main emphasis is on distinguishing between humanism on the one hand and any kind of supernaturalism on the other. That is, from a humanist point of view, both humans and the world we live in are understandable in human terms and without appeal to anything transcendent, supernatural, divine, superstitious, what have you. Similarly, from a humanist point of view, human beings, human endeavors, human interests, human accomplishments are legitimate sources of inquiry in themselves without appeal or justification to anything outside. That is, human capacities are sufficient and human concerns are legitimate in and of themselves. For many people, this will not be a contentious assertion. For some, it probably will be. In its history in the West, of course, humanism typically traces its history back to the accomplishments of the, of the classical Greek philosophers. And you can even see traces of humanism rooted in the, in the epics of Homer. The Ionian philosophers of the ancient Greek world, and I think their best exponent, Epicurus, is a really good example of, of the kind of humanism that I'm referring to. And this version of humanism is ultimately what stands behind the rational or secular humanism of the modern world. So when most people, I think, or at least most of the time when I've heard humanism discussed, it's been in this particular context of the Western intellectual tradition, which is very legitimate and which has contributed a lot, I think, to uh, human understanding and human achievement. It's certainly done a lot to decentralize superstitious or religious thinking from a directing place in the control of human affairs. It's helped establish humanity as a source of authority in and of itself. But, and this brings me around to the other part of the title, eclectic. What do I mean by eclectic? Western culture is not the only culture that has developed a humanist tradition. And it wasn't even necessarily the first to do so. So one thing I'll be doing is looking into other culture spheres and seeing whether and how a humanist tradition may have developed in them as well. I'm a lifelong fan of Chinese philosophy. It's something I've been reading for 30 plus years just for my own enjoyment. I sometimes teach it. So I do have a, a long series of, of episodes planned on the topic of Chinese philosophy, particularly particularly Confucianism, which is a deeply humanist body of thought. Recently as well, I've been looking into some North American First Nations traditions and some indigenous African traditions and learning a lot there uh, that I really had no idea of even just a few years ago. These also, in many cases, are cultures with a humanist understanding of social organization and personal worth and a number of other areas that I'm interested in investigating. And that, of course, is not a complete list. What I hope to do is simply bring humanist questions and concerns to as many worldviews as I possibly can, and just address them flexibly, honestly, and, and hopefully in ways that people will find interesting and engaging.
On that note, I also plan on looking sometimes into history, sometimes into religion, sometimes into contemporary politics, and looking at these through a particularly humanist lens, and not necessarily a Western humanist lens. And because this is a deeply personal exploration, there will be a lot of subjectivity woven into whatever I end up talking about on any given day. Another question that I should probably answer right away is, why do this? Why do a series about humanism? What's the point? Well, as a lifelong teacher, as a voracious reader, as a person who studies history and philosophy and literature and anything else I can get my hands on, and as a person who is scientifically literate, and deeply skeptical of any claim that I encounter. I think that a humanist approach to living one's life is more likely to produce good results than a non-humanist approach. But I guess maybe more vitally is that over the last few decades, as I've watched the religious right take hold of politics in so many jurisdictions, as, as I've watched the anti-science movement, the creationist movement, the dominionist movement, assert itself, insert itself into public discourse in a way that I think it has no business doing. I'm convinced that humanism is genuinely under threat. And, and as a person who likes to think of himself as a responsible citizen, I need to meet that threat in some way. And as a, somebody who's spent his life with books and in classrooms, talking is just the most effective way I can think of to do it. So fine, I'm going to talk. But what am I going to talk about? Or what are we going to talk about? Because I do hope to hear from you. Well, one of the lines of thought that I want to follow is just a question. What does it mean to be a human being in a world where no supernatural claim can be accepted, and yet we still need a grounding for our morality, our character, our conduct, our politics, our relations with each other. What does a humanist life look like? How do we think? How do we make decisions? How do we interact with each other? How do we care for each other? How do we make community? Or more broadly, how do we look at such very basic questions as, as, as living and dying, which is probably something we only get to do once? How do we assert our worth individually and collectively in an increasingly, and I think inhumanly, mechanized world, where even though many of our founding philosophies are based on individualism or individuality, the individual in many ways seems to matter less and less as each year goes by. How do we assert our humanity against those impersonal forces of politics and commerce, particularly corporate capitalism? How do we recognize our commonality with other people in other cultures, other people in our own cultures? Or coming at it from the point of view of someone who teaches in a human rights program, how do we explore the question of human dignity in a purely secular humanist way? Is it even possible to assert such a thing? Other questions that I've got rattling around in the back of my head. What's, what's the individual's role in society? What does society owe the individual? These are all questions for which 
the various humanisms around the world have come up with interesting answers. Sometimes they agree, sometimes they disagree, and I'm not always going to agree with everything I say. I'll just be putting ideas forward a lot of the time, just things that you might find useful. But speaking also just as a North American, I'm Canadian, my fiancé is American, our society has gotten awfully fragmented over the last few years. Or maybe it's better to say that the last few years have shown us how fragmented we'd already become. As I record this, Minneapolis is on fire. There are riots in numerous American cities. People are being beaten. People are being hauled off to jail. News crews are being arrested for doing their job. How does a humanist respond to that? Where do we find the authority in ourselves, in our own humanity, to respond to what's going on right now? To respond to the violence and fragmentation in the society that we're many of us, I think, afraid of seeing collapse. So I think, I hope, that there will be a strong ethical impulse behind everything I do here. I want to help. I want to do something that matters. I want to share ideas that aren't just quaint abstractions, but that have some practical use. And maybe pull in a few ideas from places that you might not think to pull ideas in from sometimes from places that surprised me. Of course, a moment ago I mentioned human rights, and that's another one of my interests. And this is an interest of humanism. Human rights discourse in the West goes back to the Enlightenment and the rise of secular humanism. This is a humanist issue. And there are human rights violations going on all over the world. I want to think about some of the ways that we can respond to those in a thoughtful, informed, rationally consistent way. How is it that decades and centuries can go by in a society that congratulates itself for being, in its own eyes, the best in the world, where there's a greater gap now between the richest and the poorest than at any time since, I believe, the 1890s, and where whole classes of people are relegated to not just secondary citizen status, but effectively third world status by the power structure that is not so much enacted for them, but inflicted on them? How do people of good conscience find a foundation simply within themselves and their own nature to speak and where necessary act against such injustices, or even to stand up against them in the quiet of one's own mind? And as I record this as well, I've been living, like so many of you, under quarantine for about the last two and a half months. The, uh, the university where I teach stopped face-to-face -face classes on the 13th of March. Many people are effectively out of work right now. Many of you are probably out of work right now, temporarily, I hope, because we are living through a once-in-a-century pandemic. So what does it mean to be living under these circumstances? What can we learn? And as I've been interacting with people, mostly online, because under quarantine, that's the only way to interact with people, one of the thoughts that I keep encountering, or one of the concerns that I keep encountering, is, is that we shouldn't go back to exactly the way things were. We shouldn't just get back to normal. But where do we go? How do we get there? What can we keep that worked? What, what 
do we need to get rid of so that we and and the world that we live in can do better once quarantine is lifted, once there's no longer a need to isolate ourselves as we have to right now. This also is one of the reasons I want to do this program. I think there are ideas, worldviews from other cultures that can inform the dominant discourse of the Western world, and I'm mostly speaking to the Western world simply because that's where I live, but there are ideas from elsewhere that it might do us good to consider. What do other societies, what do other humanisms have to offer us that we can maybe use, that we can learn from? For example, historically, many societies have been communally organized, whereas the West at least likes to tell itself that it's individualistic. Well, what are the costs of individualism? What are the costs of seeing oneself only as the contents of one's skin, for example? Maybe the boundaries of what we are extend a lot farther than we think. And I'm not meaning that in any kind of um, magical or superstitious way. I'm just talking about how we live our lives. Maybe our families, maybe our communities are also part of our identity and need to be treated as such, as historically in the, the recent West, they so often have not been. So maybe a communitarian approach to social organization might be something we want to consider rather than what I honestly see as a truncated parody of humanity, that especially in the last few decades, the society in which I live and to which I'm speaking seems to have been enacting. On the one hand, we're more connected than we've ever been, but in many ways we also, I think, I'm afraid, seem to be living in smaller and smaller worlds. We can reach farther and farther afield and yet open ourselves up only to the people we agree with only to the people that see things the way we do. So we have an illusion of expanding our worlds, but in fact, they're just being contracted. So how do we start inviting other perspectives into our thoughts? What do those other perspectives have to teach us, to show us about ourselves? Do they give us a lens to view ourselves critically and see where we've succeeded, where we've failed? Can we collectively, as we start getting our society moving again after its very long and I do believe necessary pause, can we start moving in a more humane direction? I think we can. I hope we can. And I do think we can. But the question is, what's the best way to make those decisions? How many perspectives should we consider? On that note, one of the most pronounced tensions that I've noticed is between those who accept the science and those who don't, those whose worldview is based on an empirical weighing of the evidence and acting accordingly, or those whose worldview is based upon some prior conception of what the right answer needs to be, regardless of what the evidence actually says. But again, this is not a new tension. This is a tension that's been growing in our society for the last four decades at least as I've been watching it, and I am genuinely curious to see how it will unfold. But this brings me around to another topic. Another challenge that we're facing right now as a society is the proliferation of, of irrational or magical thinking. How did a society that was once at the forefront of scientific and technological development, developed so many 
anti-vaxxers and flat earthers and creationists and general all-around science-denying dunderheads. This is a serious concern. This points to a society in crisis. This points to a society that has lost the capacity in many, many pockets at least, and some of those pockets are as big as the place itself, to think clearly, to evaluate evidence. What's the danger of losing respect for evidence, for critical thinking? Well, the danger is you end up with anti-vaxxers, you end up with flat earthers, you end up with people who don't take the proper precautions during a fucking pandemic because they're protected by the blood of Jesus. Jesus fucking Christ, that's dangerous. That gets people killed. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this. But before you get the wrong idea, this is not an anti-religious program. I am quite clearly taking aim at such recent phenomena as fundamentalism and dominionism, but I recognize that those communities don't speak for their entire religion. They are self-contained, historically contingent, politically relevant. So I will be arguing quite emphatically against these ways of being religious, which I find to be profoundly anti-humanist. I have no intention of casting a blanket aspersion over any entire religion, Western or non-Western. And in fact, one of the topics that I would like to explore at some point is the connection between the Protestant Reformation and the Scientific Revolution. Another is the phenomenon of social gospel-style Christianity, which was popular in the late 19th and early 20th centuries in North America, and which is responsible for a number of progressive and vitally important developments within our culture. And I guess this brings me around to where I started. The approach I want to take to humanism is eclectic. I want to view the subject from as broad a perspective as I possibly can, as varied a perspective as I possibly can, and I look forward to getting suggestions from any of you who might want to offer them. If you want to do that, at the moment, the best way to contact me is through email, eclectic.humanist at gmail.com. Other means of contact will be made available once I get myself better organized than I am at the moment. In the meantime, it's probably time to stop introducing myself and maybe get to work producing some actual content. What I have in mind for episode two is something called Mencius in Minneapolis, a Confucian reading or a Confucian interpretation of current events in the U.S. as they're unfolding right now. By the time you hear this, that episode will have been recorded and released, and I hope it gives you a genuine sense of where I see this program coming from and, and what I see it doing. In the meantime, thank you for listening and be good to each other. Talk soon.